Hey, it's Nathan from the Golden Homers here to tell you about meetupvegas.com. Want to eat the same quality meats that the great chefs in Las Vegas use? I got the hookup for you. Delivered straight to your front door, meetupvegas.com offers steaks, pork chops, premium chicken breasts, prime rib, you name it. Check out meetupvegas.com and use code IRISH10 at checkout to receive $10 off your order. Low snap, picked it up, takes an end zone shot, and finding McKinley goes up and gets it, and it is a touchdown. Welcome back to another episode of the Golden Homers Podcast with your hosts, Mason Plummer and Nathan Erbach. Welcome back. Welcome in to the post to the Golden Homers Podcast. I'm Nathan Erbach, and as always, I have my co-host, Mason here with me as well uh we're recording on monday november 15th after notre dame took care of business um, on the road saturday night against virginia um in what i would consider a 28 to 3 thrashing of the cavaliers um obviously with our quarterback brennan armstrong able to go uh, either here or there at this point um and i think the most important thing is that the irish left no stone unturned on saturday um again on the road in a tough environment uh, with many of their own injuries um and health issues uh, to speak of as well that we'll that we'll touch on this pod um, but with that said, uh, let's get on with the show. Uh, we have another special guest guest with us this week. Uh, welcome to the podcast, president of Fan Club, uh, Greg Flamong of uh, UHND.com. Greg, what's going on, man? Not much, guys. Thanks for having me. This is fun. Yeah, of course. Yeah, we really appreciate you joining us. And I think what you're known for, at least in our little corner of Twitter is your your film breakdowns, which we've really come to enjoy. Uh, how did you kind of get started in that kind of thing? And you, obviously, you've seen a lot of success with it as far as Twitter interactions and stuff like that. So I kind of want to jump into it straight there. What was your uh, what was the idea behind that? Is that something you just kind of started doing? Yeah. So what I've been doing uh, for the last couple of years, I think, is just kind of talking about different plays that I see, um, you know, during games, and I, and I'll talk about it either on a pod or I'll, I'll do like still photos. Um, and it's, it's obviously a lot, a lot easier to do or a lot easier to explain when you're, when you're, you know, watching a video of something and I would explain it to people sometimes in DM and things like that. And one day I, I just kind of started pointing it out, right? Like I just got my phone and I was, I was working out in the garage and I, I got my phone and I was just pointing you know, at the, at the TV and saying, you know, look at this and look at this and look at this. And I, you know, I posted it on Twitter and, and everybody liked it. So, and it was fun for me, right? Like it was, uh, it was fun to talk about. It's just fun to talk about the game from an X and O standpoint. I think a lot of people like to get into that. So um, that was what I did. A lot of people liked it and everyone said like, just keep doing them. So I said, okay, like it doesn't take a lot of time. It doesn't take a ton of, uh, you know, time out of my day or anything. Um, it's fun to do, so I just kept on doing it. So, how did that yeah. initially start? Is it just something where you see you saw a play, maybe, and you're like, "Oh, like maybe this is something that other people didn't see." I, I know that you've done that for me a couple times. Where you know, I like to think that I watch the game pretty intently. I don't miss very much. And then there's times where I, I watch your videos, and I'm just like, "Oh my god!" Like I didn't notice that at all. And maybe how'd you get into that? Like your 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 background as far as football and getting to really know the X's and O's of football. Right. So I played in high school and then, um, so I, in high school, I was, a um, I played wide receiver and safety. So usually my, um, my, my videos will focus on that. Right. Cause right. it's my, that's when I'm, I know the, I know the best. Um, I know a little bit about the offensive line and quarterback play and that sort of thing. Um, and I'm trying to, I'm actually like watching YouTube videos to, uh, kind of get more up to speed on that. Um, but yeah, so, and then I played safety in junior college too. So I'm used to watching film. And so when you watch film and you're part of like a film session with your coaches, you, you are always noticing things, right? Like you, you see it enough, you watch enough film, you just kind of notice the little things that, oh, it's like, oh, that would stand out in film. Right. So like a perfect example is, um, the Xavier Watts play from last week where, you, you he he was uh it was one the one the play where the quarterback he was kind of escaping um they ran like a read option and then he escaped 
and Xavier Watts, you know, he evaded the blocker and then he, you know, made kind of a diving tackle. And I, I think for some people you might see that and think, Oh, like that's just kind of like a standard tackle, but it's like, there's, there's as, as a player, you know, you, you see that and it's like, well, that's actually a very important tackle. And you know that this is his, like, these are his first reps at safety. So in a film room, like that will stand out. And even in the game, like the players would be like, Hey, Xavier, like, that's a, that's a big play. Like that's an important play that we needed. Um, and so for, for me, it's like, Hey, like, that's what I kind of pops to me. And so when I pointed out on Twitter and, and then when people like focus in on something, then they see it too. And so the, the more you watch film like that, then it, it'll pop for you. So hopefully that's what's going on with people, right? Like just your kind of awareness of what's going on in the game. Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned that specific play because I remember seeing you or I remember seeing your tweet on that and during the game and I hadn't had a chance to, to review the film um, just yet. I know me and Mason like to go back and, and watch film. We don't do it to the extent that you do, um, but we always rewatch the game just to see if we're if we missed anything and so on and so forth. But that specific play, it, the way you described it was perfect because it it looks like a very simple tackle and, you know, an open field tackle, like when you're just watching it, you know, the first time around. But then when you really realize it, I mean, you notice that he was able to uh, evade a guy coming right at him, which is harder than people think. And then and may, and then still made a, a pretty nice open field tackle where if he didn't make that play, the guy probably runs for another 15 or 20 yards. If not more than that. Right. So it's just it's one of those things where it's like an instinctual play. For, from a player who hasn't been playing a lot. So, you know, that stuck out to me. Um, and then the, the, the breakdown I did of the, the Ramon Henderson interception, like to me, it's, <clears throat> it's always interesting to not just see the play itself, but see how the play fits into the tire, entire scheme of what the defense is doing, right? So you see, like, he's, he's not worried about the crossing route because he has DJ Brown on the on the robber coming the other way and you know the other corners are playing outside leverage because they're funneling everything inside towards dj brown and then clarence lewis is able to funnel him towards you know the middle of the field where his help is and all and like i just like football to me is a very beautiful game in that everyone has their own role and everyone is accountable to everybody else and what looks like one person making one play is actually the entire unit working together so that when the person who gets put into position to make a play like Ramon Henderson was on his interception, he makes the play is actually a celebration for the whole team because they're all doing their job collectively. So. Yeah. And regards to the Ramon Henderson play too. I mean, well, I think the from what we were, what we heard and a lot of the right. team was battling the flu. He, he finds out he's starting on Tuesday for the first time in his career, at least at the safety position. Um, and then, you know, he makes a play that, you know, all due respect, I think he's actually been relatively fundamentally sound this year um, in, in his last season at Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. But that that's a play that, unfortunately, he hasn't been able to make throughout his career. And Ramon Henderson does it his first time around. So you really see that natural athleticism, just ability that maybe some of these younger guys have. And I think that's what, even with Kyle Hamilton being out, and I know that you uh, you hate that as much as everybody. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but it gives you a little hope with um, kind of transitioning the talk here to, you know, Xavier Watts next year, Ramon Henderson at safety next year. You know, maybe we're lucky enough to land Xavier Nwankpa down the road, um, you know, or, or some of these other young guys that aren't playing yet can, can produce as well. And then you have DJ Brown, who, who has been a solid player for Notre Dame uh, for the majority of this season. So it gives you a little hope for, for next year that maybe the back end, well, without Kyle Hamilton, might actually be maybe a little bit more fundamentally sound and have a little bit more depth ne next year and beyond. Yeah, I was, I've been kind of concerned about the back end post Kyle um, in 2022. And I don't want to say that, you know, the you know problem is solved or whatever. Like it was one game that we didn't even think we didn't even know that Ramon Anderson was going to be playing safety. Right. So, you know, to see it happen one time and, and, and to say like, we're good uh, would be premature. But I think, you know the the play that he made like that's not that that's a that's a that's a Kyle level play right and and there are uh, like there are plays Kyle can make that no one else can make but that's a type of play that I would expect Kyle to make and I wouldn't necessarily expect that from someone like 
you know, DJ Brown or Houston Griffith because they're not the caliber of athlete that Ramon Henderson is. But then that's what makes the the kind of the, his insertion to that position. That's what makes it so exciting because, whoa, like if you can do this and you can kind of get better at, um, you know, like the, the little things of playing safety, you can continue doing that. Well, then, you know, we actually have something here. So between him and Xavier Watts, who's been very productive in in the short time that he's been on the field. I mean, look, a lot of things may not look perfect with him, but at the same time, he's he's always around the ball. And there's something to be said for that. And for a guy who's, you know, was playing offense for the first, you know, year and a half of his career at Notre Dame, and now he's playing safety and whenever he's in the game, he's constantly around the play, constantly around the ball. Like that's, that's a, that's an instinctual quality that you can't really teach. And, and, you know, you don't see it from everybody. So, uh, you know, that's exciting, right? Hopefully, you know, maybe we can get better contributions um, from, you know, guys like, uh, like Justin Walters and Kari, Kari G and uh, you know, the freshmen and that sort of thing. You know, we, we got some recruits coming in, um, next year too so you know but to have the potential of what Henderson and Watts can be is is a pretty exciting development so Greg we mentioned at the top of the show that you are the president of the Kyle Hamilton fan <laughs> club where did that kind of start can you go through the origins of that for us yeah so um, in 2018 so it started in 2018 when he committed um, you know whenever someone commits or anything like that I always go back or I'm always watching their uh I'm always watching their highlight tape because I'm going to write about him. And at the time, he was a low three-star recruit, real low, like in the thousands overall. And and so, okay, so I go to watch his tape, and and I know his physical dimension. So I think, uh, there, you know, there must be something with him. He's not very dynamic or he's not very explosive or that sort of thing. So that's what I expected to see. And so then I pop in the, the highlight and he looks the way he looks. Right. And so I thought, okay, well, this is not a three-star recruit. Like this isn't even a four-star recruit. Like I don't call him whatever you want. He is unbelievable and he's going to be great for us. And so every now and then I would always talk about Kyle Hamilton. He's, you know, we got this guy, Kyle Hamilton. He's amazing. And I would, you know, tweet out his, uh, his high school highlights and I tweeted out his senior year highlights. And I said, this kid is, is not like everybody else. And he's amazing. And we should just talk about him all the time. And so it became kind of like a bit, right. And it was, you know, and at the time, like I didn't really have the, the kind of the following I have now. So um, it was, it wasn't, it was just kind of like my own little corner of the internet. Um, And then, so going into his, uh, his first fall camp, uh, of 2019, I'm, you know, this was, we were in summer vacation. So I, I'm at the beach, I come in and I've got all these alerts on my phone and I'm thinking, why is everyone like, why do I have all these alerts on Twitter? Like I didn't send a tweet or anything, so I don't get it. And it was everybody kind of sending me that Kyle intercepted three passes in his, uh, in his opening practice. And so then it was like, oh, okay, well, so it just kind of became like, I was Kyle's guy. And so I've just been kind of leaning into that for the last three years. And, you know, obviously it's been really fun, right? Like he's amazing. And uh, so, you know, it's not the worst thing in the world to be associated with, um, with, you know, the second pick in the draft or whatever he's going to be, right? Like a, like a first team all American. So, um, you know, it was, it's, it was a fun thing. It was really organic. Like I didn't, plan on it being whatever it became and so i just leaned into it and uh yeah so that's kind of how it all got started as a super cool story so i'm just thinking now like we I, i'm a tape guy as well like i like to watch the tape you know when a guy's offered and just kind of watch the recruiting process that's something nathan and i enjoy quite a bit but you called your shot early on there's no way you could have known he was going to be a top five nfl draft pick right I mean, I, I don't think of it like that. I never think of when I'm watching their tapes, I never think of it in terms of what their NFL future is going to be. Okay. I just think about like what, like what, what type of college player can they become? And I, I just like, you look at his, like his size and he did everything. Like he was returning kickoffs for touchdowns, the tackling, like he was so aggressive as a tackler. Like even as a junior, like it was like this kid is he's when when like when he would come up to support the run and someone would 
um, you know, receiver would come up and try to block him. Like he would attack the receiver and he would destroy the receiver who was trying to block him. And then he would go make the play. And <laughs> that just doesn't happen. Right. And then you would see him on pass coverage and he's playing the center field and he's intercepting corner routes. And it's like, that just doesn't, that's not a thing that happens in high school football. Right. And, and so then, you know, his physical dimensions, like this is a six, three kid doing this. Like this is, this is rare. Like this isn't a thing. Like you just, you're, you're not going to see this. So I, I you know, I, I just was completely sold on like, he's going to be a star. I, I, I don't like, so I never said like, Oh, he's going to be a, you know, first round pick or whatever. It's just like, he's going to be a star college football player. And yeah. And honestly, you're preaching to the choir when it comes to Kyle Hamilton with, with myself and Mason. I mean, I won't, we, we would never take the credit of being president of the, of the Kyle Hamilton fan club, but as Mason, like men, both film especially when it comes to Notre Dame recruits and, and Notre Dame in general. And um, I know I specifically, you know, like during the, the 2018 recruiting class, like I thought he was underrated as well prior to his, his jump up in the rankings, but then you really get down to it. And I think his final ranking on 24 seven sports was like 15 and then like 60 overall in the compo- yeah. composite. So at that point in time, I mean, pretty much everybody knew Notre Dame was getting at the, at the very least a very good player. Um, and then, as you mentioned, he comes into Notre Dame and does what he does in practice, does what he does as a freshman first his, almost his first play or maybe his first play inside a Notre Dame stadium has a pick six yeah and you know it just kind of the story of Kyle Hamilton so almost sort of you know wrote itself um from the get-go and you know clearly he's he's really turned into you know a Jalen Smith Manti Teo you know level player for, for Notre Dame in terms of his importance and and just how good he is as a as a college football athlete first and foremost yeah and and you know it it to be clear, I wasn't the only one. I mean, everyone saw it, right? <laughs> like it was, it 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 wasn't that I found him or anything. Like, right, no, right. Like everybody, everyone who watched him knew, right? And it was, it's evident, right? It's not, it wasn't a big secret. So, yeah. But I was the, you know, I guess I was the only one who was uh, quirky enough to kind of lean into a bit, and um, you know, it became what it became. So, so yeah, this might absolutely. be a dumb question, but. Um, that's always the best way to preface a question, by the way. Um, th- is Kyle aware of this at all? Like, have you ever interacted with him? Uh, he is aware. Yes. That's so can you, can you spill a little bit on that? Or is that, is that uh, confidential? Um, I don't want to say confidential. It just, I, I know, I know that he knows about it. Well, I guess he, he kind of made reference to it. So he does, um, he does the intro to the UHND podcast. And so I, in, in order for that to happen, um, I guess that's true. I knew that. I yeah. Didn't know so if he, yeah, no, no. If he had hit you up in the past. Yeah. So so when I emailed him, um, uh, we you know he made reference to it then. Very you cool. Know. Very. Cool. And look, his his parents have interacted with me on Twitter. Like they made clear, like they they thought it was all in good fun, and it was like so. I once you know it kind of got to a point where. I would ask people like, am I being a little too overboard with this? And, 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 and they would be like, no, like lean into it. And so I was like, okay. And then when I, when I kind of heard from his parents and they kind of interacted with me and they were like, we think it's funny and fun and like, we love it and everything. Like once I got like clearance from them in that kind of way, then I didn't, then it was like, oh, okay, I'm just going to keep going. And like, people will like say things on Twitter. It's like, oh, I don't care. Like, I'm not interested in your opinion. Like, it doesn't, I'm doing it because I think it's fun and the parents think it's fun. So I'm just going to keep on. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's awesome. <laughs> um, so Greg, uh, well, one more quick thing here and then we'll kind of move on to some, some actual Notre Dame talk. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously, I don't know if you know Mason and myself's backstory. We both started sort of at Slap the Sign a few years back uh-huh. and then have, have kind of carried on. We wrote for uh, Irish Breakdown with Brian Driscoll for, you know, for especially during the uh, like right when COVID started. Yeah. Um, and then when I got back to work, I unfortunately had to step back from that. And then Mason ended up getting a kind of an internship uh at rivals yeah um, and was working with mike singer and stuff and you've been obviously writing for i i don't know exactly how long but it seems like been on you know notre dame twitter um you know especially over the last you know couple of years three or four years whatever it is you've been writing for for uhnd 
um, how did that kind of start for you? And, um, you know, what do you really enjoy about, obviously you, you love Notre Dame football and that's kind of how me and Mason yeah. got into it. Really just in, in, enjoy writing about your favorite team and, and kind of the following that has kind of come from that in recent years. Yeah. So I started, I, I want to say it was 2015. Um, I was, so my friend, the, the, my, so I have a, another podcast, the untitled, uh, Notre Dame USC football pod. Yeah, my friend, Michael, he, he started, um, he started this website. I, I, to be honest with you, I don't know why he, he started it, but he just was like, I want to start a website tiltingground.com. And I was like, okay. And, and I was like, all right for it. And I wrote some like NFL articles and, and then I, I was like, I want I'm going to write a Notre Dame article and I'm going to submit it to UHND because that was the, the, the website that I used for Like I went on their message board all the time. And so I, that's what I did. And I wrote an article and I, and I sent a message to Frank, who's the, uh, one of the site owners. And I said, Hey, is it, is it okay if I post on, on the site? post this on the site and he was like yeah no problem so we posted on the message board and then he sent me an uh like an email and was like hey would you like to volunteer to write for us and and i said sure yeah and i think the idea behind it was i was always posting on message boards um whether it was that one or it was another one and and it was like if i'm gonna be spending my time doing that then why don't I just write articles? So that's where it all kind of started. And so, and then after like the one season, Frank sent me an email and was like, Hey, would you, would you, would you like to like come on staff with us? And I was like, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So that's kind of where it started. And then ever since then, like I've just been writing for them and, you know, as far as the, um, as far as the following goes, it's kind of weird in a way, just because I didn't, I never saw that really happening. Um, it was just, I, I feel like in a way I'm just a person who um, it, just like anyone else, right? Like I follow the team and I like the team, you know, a former football player who knows a little bit about the sport, right? Like humbly with humility, right? A lot of people know more than I do. Um, I don't like try to fancy myself as some sort of an expert, but it's just, you know, it's fun to interact with people and it's fun to just kind of have discussions about the team that I try to keep positive. You know, a lot of the breakdowns, like I, I, in past years, I, I did some that were, I, want, I don't want to say critical, but they would point out mistakes and that sort of thing. And, and I've kind of learned, like, as my following has grown, it, it those videos just get a little bit too negative for me. I, I'm not trying to point things out that get the players ripped on in the comments, you know, and I don't really, I don't, I'm not, I don't want to be about that. And if it was a way for me to do it where people weren't just like destroying the players, um, I would probably lean towards that a little bit more, but now it's just like, I want to use my page to kind of celebrate players on the team. Right. So, you know, obviously Ramon Henderson makes a good play. I want to make a video about him or Xavier Watts or obviously Kyle or anything, right? Just any player who does something good. Like Lorenzo Styles, there was a a play I noticed on the punt return um, where he just kind of like made a, one block and then came flying out of nowhere to make another block, right? It's like no one really notices that, but I think the players notice it. You know, they'll certainly notice it in film. And when I put that up, it's just kind of like a fun thing. So um, that's kind of what I'm going for with basically everything that I do. Gotcha. Yeah. It's certainly appreciated by more people than just us. Uh, and that's certainly, that's why your following has continued to grow. Uh, people like what you do. So looking back to last, last week, it was a comprehensive, it was a good performance against Virginia. The, the scoreline didn't necessarily show the dominance that was on display with Notre Dame. I think some people would have liked to see, more points on the board uh, in the end. What were your general thoughts about Notre Dame versus Virginia? Yeah, um, I think, you know, and I said this on, um, I think I said this with Matt Freeman on the UHND pod. I, I think it was hard for people to, to kind of understand, like they don't know how to, they didn't know how to feel about, they don't know how to process the game because the, the Virginia lost their quarterback. And, and, you know, we found out for sure he wasn't going to play like, 30 minutes before the game or whatever it was. So like 
what what do we say? What do we think about this, right? Like what what should it look like? We don't know. We've never seen the quarterback play, the the backup. We've never seen him play. We don't know what he's what how good he is, what he's done against other teams. If this like if Brendan Armstrong had played, we would have seen 28-3 and we'd only be talking about the three, right? Because that's an right. incredible defensive performance. And and we wouldn't really like we would see the offensive performance as for what it was, right? Like like you know, people say that Notre Dame had a slow start. It's like they scored on three of their f- first four possessions. It's just that they kind of took a long time. So it's like, you know, and the, and the one drive they stopped, it was their first drive. So it's like, you don't score on your first drive, you're off to a slow start. But, you know, I, I think because it was the backup, the three kind of just gets thrown away. We don't want to talk about it. We're only going to talk about the 28. And why was it 28 and not 35 or 42 or 49 or whatever? So... I think just the the dynamics of the game made it hard for people to process. Um, but, you know, it's nice to be in a position where we're lamenting how the committee is going to feel about our 25-point victory, right? Because in September, I did not think the committee would care about what Notre Dame was doing. So I guess it's nice to be in that position. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's one of those games where I mean, it was – it was 28 to three. I mean, obviously 28 to three is, is a dominating performance regardless of who you're playing. Like you mentioned, it's a 25 point victory. Um, it, and, it, and the committee watches these games and it, and in reality, I think the committee is looking at that game and it, it probably felt to them like it was a 35 or 42 to three victory just with the way it went. And I think that's probably the most important thing. Um, one of the things I was a little surprised about, and, and I mentioned this even on our pod, on our podcast last week, I mean, my score prediction, assuming that Brennan Armstrong was playing was like something like 52 to 27 mm-hmm. would, would have their best offensive output of the, uh, of the year. And I thought Virginia would be able to move the football and, and, you know, put up essentially 28 points or whatever. And, but Notre Dame would still win convincingly. And it, and it kind of happened the other way around. It was essentially the same, same um, in a different way. Mm-hmm. And with Virginia specifically, I think, and I mentioned this, I do a post game show uh, every, every, um, every Saturday um, on the voice of college football with Mark Rogers. Mm-hmm. And one of my, one of my points there was that Virginia had playmakers all over the place. Right. They have, they have four guys that have over yards receiving um, they have, they have one that I think actually got to the thousand, the thousand yard, um, mark or very close to it, um, after, after the game on Saturday and it almost, so it kind of two points, a backup quarterback, you could argue should have been able to do a little bit more, um, than, than three points. And then Virginia was moving the football a little bit better in the second half. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think Notre Dame's defense in general just deserves a lot of credit, even without Brennan Armstrong playing, because that was probably the most prolific offense in college football speaking going into going into this week. And then the second point, um, and this is a little bit off topic, but it almost makes you appreciate with their quarterback situation this year, because um, not a lot of teams can go from, you know, bringing in a fifth year senior that you think is going to be very good and has had his own struggles but then being able to play Drew Pine in spurts when you've needed to and still put up production. And then along with that, you have your star freshman quarterback, um, you know, come in and also be able to produce um, in spurts uh, for this team and make it a nice dynamic duo. And Virginia, obviously, they, maybe they have a quarterback in the future. I think that kid was a true freshman that played mm-hmm. for him mm-hmm. for most of the game on Saturday. Yeah. Um, and, you know, maybe he's good down the road, but it does make you appreciate what Notre Dame do um, and, and can do with uh, with their offense this season, right? So, and when they went with, so I guess it was Toledo when they when they first brought out Buckner, yeah. And you think to yourself, this is this is going to be tough. It's tough to juggle quarterbacks, and it's it's just a hard it's a hard line to walk. And they've been able to do it, and it looks like they're going to do it. Right? They're going to do. I mean, look, 11 and one, you'd have to say it's successful, regardless of, you know, how you feel about the Cincinnati game. When you, when you win 11, you drop this the one time, you, you know, you have managed this quarterback situation as well as you could. And, and, and I was thinking, you know, I don't know that there was a game where you just feel like, oh, we almost blew it because of us juggling quarterbacks. 
you know, like I didn't think that that, like that was actually what cost us the game. Um, with the exception of maybe Cincinnati. I mean, that Cincinnati game is really going to bother me for like a really long time, <laughs> just because it, it, so much was not figured out. Right. And, and you look in hindsight, it's like, Oh man, like I feel like you had the answers. You just didn't have them at, on that particular day, but it's just like beyond that, you know, they, they, you didn't feel like Notre Dame was ever botching it. Right. They were never, they were never like, Oh, we, this was working. And then they brought him in and then everything stopped working. Right. Like this didn't happen. So, um, look at, you know, like you said, you brought in cone for the experience. You brought him in to run a certain kind of offense and then they kind of had to scrap that offense. And then he was able to adapt to, you know, the, the other style of play. So like you said, I, I, I do think that you'd have to appreciate, you know, the, the line that they walked on this, uh, the quarterback situation. So Greg, you mentioned that it was, a lot of people are claiming it was a, a slow start, but in, in essence, it really wasn't except for that, that first drive. And you said it, you know, they did end up scoring the next three of four, but it just ended up taking a while. So it felt slow. What do you attribute Notre Dame's first drive lack of success to? It seems like the first drive, Kelly always wants to take the ball. And then more often than not, it's a three and out. What do you see? And like, why, why do you think that is? Yeah. I mean, well, this one wasn't a three and out. Um, or I guess a failed drive, no points. Right, and I and I think, but it's it was a failed drive, no points for similar reasons to some of the other ones that started out really well. So, um, if you look at um, the USC game where they, they're driving the ball down the field, and Kevin Austin drops the ball, right, and they have to settle for a field goal that they miss, and you look at the Cincinnati game where they dr- drive right down the field, and then Jack Cohen throws an interception on second down. And in this game, you know, you have third and short and and Lorenzo Styles is, you know, going to catch the ball, make a move, but then he slips. And then you try a quarterback sneak on, you know, fourth and a yard and a half when it's like a little bit too far. And I think that I think the the common thread in all of those is the way that Notre Dame's trying to play offense is that it's all it's all shorter stuff now. Right. Quicker throws. And, you know, the, with the, with the running game and that sort of thing. And that doesn't really lend itself to explosiveness. It doesn't lend itself to a big play down the field. Um, and during that first drive, I think it was the first drive where Jack Cohn had Lorenzo Styles on a deep throw and he missed him. And those are throws that we've been missing. Like we've been doing a lot of good things on offense, but those deep balls, we haven't been mi- when hitting to the wide receivers. And so when you just have to put together a bunch of plays it just gives it just kind of gives more opportunity to be not sharp somewhere or for something to happen like Lorenzo Styles slipping when he's open and he's going to make a move on somebody right so it's just i think to me it's just so happens that for whatever reason that that thing has popped up on the first drive because if you look at you know like like the USC game the second drive they go right down the field and score a touchdown in this game, second drive, you go down and score a touchdown. And then on the subsequent drives after that, right? And the same thing with North Carolina, right? Like you start slow and then right down the field, score a touchdown. So, um, you know, I, I just think the way that they play, it lends itself to you got to be precise. And if you're not precise, then the, the drive can get bogged down. Yeah, it's actually, to a certain extent, it seems almost very similar to, to last year's um, game plan, but now that they've figured that out a little bit later in the season where they have long drives, maybe in a little bit different way last year with the running game controlling most of the, you know, most of the game, obviously, you know, Kyron Williams is back this year and, you know, he's turned it on in the second half now that he's had a little bit more blocking. Um, and just, you know, I think just <laughs> off his own sheer, you know, will, um, cause there, there probably has still been some plays out there. I mean, the UNC 91 yard touchdown run, he was, he was hitting the backfield, made a play, um, yesterday or uh, on Saturday, made another really nice play early on in the game where it looked like it was going to be a three yard loss and he turns it into a, to a, a, a decent size gain. Right. Um, so it, it's, it's one of those things where like, like you said, like the precision and just being able to get, you know, five, six yards here and there get a chunk yard every now, uh, you know, chunk yardage every now and then like the Lorenzo styles, almost touchdown run mm-hmm. um, and just different things like that. Um, but you almost have to be perfect on every journey. And that can, 
that can lend itself to to maybe like what like we're talking about only getting 28 points because a few of those drives stall out you have the the jack cone you know miss fourth down conversion you have the tyler buck logan Diggs fumble um to go up 35 to three you throw in a, one punt in there and just different things like that or the jack cone uh the jack cone pick mm-hmm. um you know you're gonna have a few drives works out and then that's where you end up getting the 28 to three score versus the 55 to, to 55 to 10 score that you know maybe notre dame fans want to see right and and the other part with that is those drives take a long time so right. if if you if you have a long drive and it, you know you get stopped on fourth down like right out of, outside the red zone well then what does it take like four or five minutes like it just you know it's just a practical like the you run out of time yeah i think the first time uh virginia got the ball i think it was like what six or seven minutes left on the clock in the first yeah, so they, a good chunk. So yeah, and you go three and out, and then you know it's like even then, and then you get the ball and you go down and score. The first quarter is almost over. Right. Um, switching gears a little bit, uh, I, we've kind of already hinted at this a little bit with the way we've been talking in, in terms of the Virginia Tech, Tech Virginia uh, style points. But mm-hmm. you know, I, I and I mentioned this before we we hopped on. You know, if you were to ask me two or three weeks ago if Notre Dame had a prayer. To, to make the college football playoff, I would have said it's extremely murky. There, there are obviously, you know, ways that it could happen, you know, with them being what 10th on the initial college football playoff, um, you know, show um, or where the, or the committee did their rankings, um, you know, and only moving up one, um, you know, this, this past week, but, you know, it's funny as the weeks go on, I mean, more and more teams lose more and more things happen. I mean, obviously Michigan state loses, Michigan loses to Michigan State the week prior to that. Oklahoma has now has now uh, suffered a loss. Uh, Wake Forest, who was ahead of Notre Dame, suffered a loss. And all of a sudden, it's like, I don't know if I want to call it realistic for Notre Dame to make the college football playoff. Or not realistic, but, but there certainly is a – it feels like a realistic shot if, if some things kind of break their way over the next couple of weeks. Right. And, and I think the important part of that is – is that, and this goes into like the 28, three thing and how the committee is going to kind of view it is I think there was a comment made by the, uh, the spokesman for the committee last week about how Notre Dame is an ascending team. And when you're, when you're viewed in the, in the light of this is a team that's getting better. It almost like when it almost doesn't matter, like you can kind of throw like the Toledo stuff, and the Florida State stuff, like that stuff is gone as far as the committee's concerned, right? Because now they're starting to play good football. And I don't think, um, and I think it was Nathan who made the point earlier about they watched the games. I don't think anyone would have watched that game and had their opinion changed of Notre Dame as an ascending team just just watching it, right? Like maybe if someone didn't watch and they just looked at the box score or whatever, they might think, wow, only 28 against that team. But if you watched it, like Notre Dame was clearly moving the ball. They clearly were not threatened by Virginia during the game. Were no danger of ever losing. They were no danger of ever like not being in the lead. So I think given the fact that they've already said they view Notre Dame as an ascending team, and you watch the game and you're not going to change your mind based off of that performance. And if things break, the, the it sounds like the committee would, would not have a problem being like, yeah, like Notre Dame, like they are, they're playing the way we want a team, a playoff team to play right now. So, you know, to your point, I, it, it, I, there is a, a much better chance now, right? Like you look at the, the ESPN, uh, playoff predictor thing that yeah. gives them a 60% chance. Right. And obviously that is factoring in like the chances of other teams that they're going to, how they're going to finish and those things. And it's getting into the weeds on the math. But the fact of the matter is, is like if Notre Dame wins out, there is a chance like a, a better than 50, 50 chance that they make the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I've, you know, earlier in the season, people were saying, you know, would you do you want to make the playoff? And of course, you want to make the playoff. And I was going back and forth with somebody on Twitter about this today because they were saying, you know, what's the point of getting into the playoff if you're just going to get stomped by Georgia? Because it only it seems likely 
Notre Dame only has a chance at the four seed. Uh, what, what are your What are your thoughts on that? Uh, obviously, you want to have a chance in it, but do you think it's good for the program to go into the college football playoff and potentially get stomped by Georgia, or do you think that that's it's always good to make the playoff regardless of the result? You You always want to make it, right? And I think there's a there's a um, you know, there's the Pete Sampson poll that's yeah. going around. And and I think it's, it's a little bit different because he's saying you're going to go and lose. It's not that you're going to go. It's that you're going to go and lose. And so it's like, well, if you give me the choice of losing versus winning, then yeah, like I could see choosing winning, right? Like winning is better than losing. Um, even if, you know, one is the playoffs and one is the thing. Like I can see that. But I put out like a different poll that was like you gave the stakes instead of the results. So it was like, you're going to be an 18 point dog to Georgia, or you're going to be a pick them against uh, Michigan in the Fiesta Bowl. And then the results basically just flipped. Right. Right. So when, when you give them the chance to win, then everyone's like, Oh, I want the chance, but I don't like, if you're telling me they're going to lose and that's something different. So for me, I always want the chance. Right. It, because that's the point. Why would you, why would you play a season and then be like, nah, I'm, I'm good. Like, I don't feel like we're good enough. Like, no, like you want the chance. That's the point, the whole point. And, and not for nothing, but if they go to the playoffs, then Kyle's going to play. And that's, I want to see him play one more time. That's what <laughs> I want. So, so, you know, yeah. Give me, give me the, give me Georgia. That's fine. Well, and then I think even for the poll that that Samson put out I saw it too and I voted for the loss in the playoff game and, and my reasoning there is is like there I think there's a recruiting pitch to that I mean there's a there's a way you can you twist that to say hey we've made the college football playoff three out of the last four years you know Xavier Nwankpa or Walker Howard you're the missing piece to that puzzle um you know I think kids and then on, on top of that kids want to play in those games especially in today's college football world where the whatever whatever big bowl game or new year's six bowl game is not playoff kids are sitting out those games what they're not sitting out is the playoffs so when you're when you can say and when you can sit there in a kid's living room and you're brian kelly or whatever coach is sitting there with them and say hey you know we're gonna get you to the college football playoff at least a few times while you're here mm-hmm. i think that's a better pitch than saying hey we're gonna go beat michigan or or whoever in the Fiesta Bowl, you know, this season when or next season when uh, when when it's not part of the college football playoff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, always you always want to you always want to be a part of it. Uh, switching gears, uh, we're kind of talking a little bit about Georgia Tech. Um, I'm excited to talk about Georgia Tech only because this is going to be the the first game I've been able to attend this year, um, and the first game that I'm actually going to be able to attend. I think since. I think it was Brandon Wimbush's first collegiate start against Temple. Oh, okay. Um, that's the that's the last time I was able to go. You know, a couple, you know, or so, and um, you know, like you, Greg, I live on the West Coast. I'm out in Vegas, so okay. seeing Notre Dame home games specifically is a little bit more tough and something I'm trying to get to do um, more often. But I, I grew up going to USC games on the road almost, mm. uh, you know, every other year essentially and catching a Stanford game every now and then or when they played Arizona State, so on and so forth. Notre Dame history is on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, but very excited to go to this game. It's, like I said, first game in a while. But uh, obviously I think we can all agree that Notre Dame – should should win this game it shouldn't be close it should probably be something similar to the you know to the virginia game in the sense that they it's never uh, it's never in doubt um but what are maybe some of your thoughts uh regarding a the georgia tech team if you have be you know just what you want to see from notre dame on saturday um i want to see i guess I mean, just to get to the safety piece, like I want to, I want to continue to see a uh, good play from Henderson and Watts um, just to see, is that actually a thing like for real, or is it something that we need to just like, they need to continue to build for next season. Um, you know, I, I think cleaner, clean, clean play, right? Like you don't want to um, like, I feel like, you do want to see more explosiveness from the offense just in general just because you you need that 
Um, and, and you have the weapons for it, right? Like you see what Lindsay can do and what styles can do with the ball in their hands. And, and obviously Kevin Austin, um, and, you know, Dion Colsey, like if we see a little bit more from him. So there's obviously, you know, that, um, I want to see Kyron like get over a thousand, um, in Notre Dame stadium, right? Like that would be pretty awesome. Like that by, by all accounts, like this is going to be his last game at Notre Dame stadium. Um, because why would he come back? Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, so I, I, I think that's what you want to see just to continue the ascension of the level of play. Um, you know, I, I, I haven't looked at Georgia tech too much. Um, I know they're not having a very good season. Um, it seems like their quarterback, Jeff Sims has been a struggling and B hurt. Like I know they played a different quarterback last week. So, but they did put up 30 points. So that's, you know, not, it's not nothing. Um, Jameer Gibbs, uh, Brian Kelly had a lot to say about Jameer Gibbs today. So obviously that's going to be a, a problem that you don't want to, you know, to come up and bite you late in the year. But um you know, don't do the uh, senior day thing where everyone's sad and crying, and then uh, and then you <laughs> you kind of lay an egg. That's that's also what I don't want to see. <laughs> when we add that to the list, right? Nathan, you want to go ahead and get into bold predictions? Yeah, yeah. I don't know if uh, I don't know. You've had some time to think about one, Greg, maybe, but we uh, uh, that's definitely one thing that we we like to see. And if you ask, I don't know if you've listened to the pod before, but if we can get Mason's out of the way. He's just going to say something about a freshman touchdown. Yeah, no, I'm going to. Let's hear it. I want to get mine out of the way because <laughs> I want Greg to talk me into doing it again. So I've said for like seven or eight weeks on on end now that Styles or Colsey are going to score, <laughs> and they still haven't, even though Styles should have. So I'm going to need you to talk me into Styles or Colsey scoring this week. It's going to be Styles. Look at listen. I called. I was. Uh, I was. Not quite on the record, but I thought Styles is going to have his breakout against Navy. So, um, yeah, that's uh, it is funny that Styles has not scored a touchdown yet this year because you feel like he already has. Um, and yeah, that was a coward's holding. I don't, I don't appreciate it. I, that's not. Don't bail out the defender who's not actively trying to get off the Colsey block. That's ridiculous. Well, I, I know. And I think the broadcast even said something about how Styles stepped out of bounds, and there was just there was no chance in Ellie stepped. Well, out I of think bounds. what happened, what happened, so what happens is the ref who throws the flag is also the one standing there who would call um, the touchdown. So he doesn't call the touchdown. So he goes to the spot for where um, the foul occurred, and he starts waving his hand. So he never signals touchdown because he knows it's not a touchdown. Cause he threw a flag cause he's a big baby. So that's, that's, that's what happened. So that's why they got confused. It's like, he, he thinks he's calling him out of bounds, but really he's just saying, stop the clock. I'm going to call this back. Cause I'm a weenie. When Turn I saw off. the Colsey hold the same way you do, but I saw him getting ripped on Twitter. All oh, this freshman doesn't know how to block. Like people just take things so literally and don't see things for what they really are. I didn't think it was a hold to begin with. And he's blocking downfield for, for styles who doesn't score without the block. I just don't get it. Right. Like that could have been a hit and hustle tweet. Instead, it's like a penalty and, and everyone's sad. Well, and if there's one thing that Notre Dame receivers are known for, it is their blocking ability. So that's probably one thing we shouldn't get too riled up about. Yeah. On Twitter right. Anyways. Yeah. Um, I do have, I do have right now the, uh, the kudos over Mason. Cause when I did predict a freshman touchdown, I said it was going to be Logan Diggs and he did it in his first game when I said it. So um, as of right now, it's, it's one, it's one, nothing, Nathan, in regards to freshman touchdowns. right twice a day. <laughs> do you, do you have one for us, Greg? A bold yeah. So my week? bold prediction. So I said, I'm going to run one back too. So I said, Xavier Watts was going to get an interception against Virginia. And so I'm just going to keep it going. Cause yeah, I think it's, I think it. it's, it's coming for me. I think it's coming. I think he's going to get one this week. He's uh, he's always around the ball. He's always, you know, kind of like kind of like Sean Crawford in that way. It's like, oh, look at look who's around the play again. So I, I think uh, I think Xavier Watts is going to get a pick this week. I think I'm going to go with maybe this. You can tell me if this is a coward's way out, but I'm going to say that Chris Tyree ends up with a long touchdown, whether that is on special teams, on a kickoff return, or whether it's uh, 
you know, like on a jet sweep or in the slot or whatever it is, I think he's going to get like a 50 plus yard touchdown, uh, you know, a couple weeks removed from the turf toe injury that sidelined him essentially what for two weeks or whatever it was. Um, but, he, but I think he looked better against Virginia and he was definitely more involved in the, in the playbook um, against Virginia. And that probably has to do with, you know, Avery Davis out uh, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm going to say that Chris Tyree uh, has some sort of long explosive touchdown. I feel bad for Tyree because his injury coincided with the line figuring, figuring things out. Yeah. You know, he's no, never been, point. he's never been healthy when the line was, you know, in its current form, right. He, he got hurt or he went into, I think he went into Virginia tech carrying the injury and they wanted to play him cause it was Virginia. Um, right. Right. But I, I, cause he didn't really get a lot of run in that game and, and the line figured things out right out of the bye, and then he had to sit. So I, I feel kind of bad for him. Um, like you guys said, I, I'd like to see him in there with, uh, with Buckner. Cause I feel like the added threat of the run might open things up for Tyree. And like Nathan said, like bust the big one. So. Yeah. Buckner and Tyree together on the field is, uh, a long touchdown waiting to happen. It's, yeah, it seems yeah. like so. Electricity. Yeah. Uh, before we get into record predictions, uh, one of one of uh, our favorite segments on here is buy or sell. Mason uh, came up with it a few weeks back. Um, I know Mason has two for you. I'll get mine out of the way because m- mine's a little bit more, uh, I guess, future centric um, in regards to Kyron Williams. But buy or sell. I was looking at a. Um, a thing today with the Heisman odds and he's still nowhere to be found on the Heisman odds, which I think is right now a little bit borderline disrespectful with the way he's kind of carried the offense. Um, but I, buy or sell Ty, or uh, Kyron Williams ends up having, you know, good enough odds to maybe sneak into like the top five or maybe even find a seat at the seat at the table um, at the end of the year uh, for the Heisman trophy ceremony. So, he doesn't have he doesn't have the game. He doesn't have a when I say the game, I mean he doesn't have the marquee matchup to do it. So whatever he did against North Carolina, he needed to do that against Cincinnati. That's fair. Mason, what do you about you? What do you say? Yeah. So my first one is from no, are you, big. What's are that? You bu- oh, sorry. Are you buying or selling? Sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna sell that as well. Unfortunately, for essentially the same reason as Greg. Um, he, yeah, he should have done it against Cincinnati, which it, it isn't his fault. But at the same time, he isn't a guy like Kenneth Walker who has like five top 10 matchups where it's on national TV and everybody's seeing him, you know, go nuts and uh, just more eyes on him, uh, essentially. Uh, I think he, you could argue he's, you know, very valuable to his team. But personally, I'm just happy to see it not be a, a quarterback award potentially for once. Yeah, I'm on, I think I'm on the sell side too. I really want to buy it. But, uh, A, I don't think he has the stats, unfortunately. I mean, this is kind of the year where you can maybe can get away with a little bit lesser stats as a running back. And, obviously, I think we all agree that he's just a dynamic player and, and it's probably worthy of, of something like that. And, you know, there's really no Heisman moment for anybody, maybe outside of Kenneth Walker's game uh, against Michigan. Um, but you could argue that, that Williams at least like you mentioned if it was against Cincinnati he probably does have his Heisman moment but uh, he's had he certainly had a few plays here and there that feel Heisman moment you know worthy um, but I'm going to sell but I, I honestly just thought that was an interesting discussion because it, it to me it's a selling point that if uh, Brian Kelly were to talk to him next year that's a, a a possible selling point in bringing him back that he could possibly be on a national championship contender be a Heisman winner or, or, a, or a favorite uh, going into the season. And I think with the new NIL, um, that might be something that someone like Kyron Williams, who really seems to love playing college football and for Notre Dame specifically, you know, maybe we get lucky and he comes back for his, you know, his final season or whatever. Go ahead, Mason, with yours. Yeah. So I was trying to decide on the the amount of yards I wanted to go with, but the the flavor of the week per se, everybody was loving talking about Logan Diggs, especially after that hurdle. So Greg and Nathan over 76 and a half yards for Logan Diggs total scrimmage yards total scrimmage yards um I'm gonna say buy yeah I'm gonna buy this I think I think um I think his his role is just gonna keep growing um I think there's a big run coming maybe in the second half um what what did he have last game 
This must have been. Uh, I want to say him and Tyron were both close to eighty. Yeah, so I, I think yeah, he's. I think he'll go over it. Yeah, I think it's time. Nathan, what do you got? I think I'm gonna sell it, not because Greg's point is big. I mean, obviously he's he's becoming a, a huge part of the offense. Um, but I, I think I'm gonna stick with my bold prediction with Tyree, and I think Tyree is gonna continue to get more now that he's a little bit healthier. Um, and I think that will kind of take away a little bit from from Diggs in the in and possibly the the passing game uh, as well. So I'm going to say he gets relatively close to that, you know, maybe somewhere again, like the 65, 70 range. Um, But I'm going to say Chris Tyree eats into him a little bit too much to get to it. Guys, you want to go ahead with your second one? I think it was you that, I think it was just you that had the second one today. Oh yeah. Okay. I didn't know if you had two as well. Okay. So my second one over under, I guess by yourself, 35 total points for Notre Dame against Georgia Tech. Go ahead, Greg. Uh, I can I can go. Uh, I'll say I'll say bye. I'll say bye. You like over thirty five? Yeah, I think uh, I don't think Georgia Tech's going to be super interested in um, coming to South Bend and you know putting up a big fight. I think I, I think that like I said, there's going to be some styles touchdowns, which lend itself to something deep. Um, I think Lindsey's going to get uh, activated a little bit more still. Um, I mean, Greg, you know, was that Styles touchdowns plural? Yeah, I saw. I heard uh, that. I heard. That. I think. I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Right. Like, I, I'm fine with that. I don't. I don't have a problem with plural. I mean, why not? <laughs> I like it. That made right? me feel better about my. So there's gonna be a, there's gonna be a Diggs run. There's gonna be a Tyree run. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a, uh, a, a, just a celebration in the uh, Notre Dame end zones. This everybody, cool everybody it. on the Notre Dame roster is gonna have a 50 plus yard touchdown. <laughs> That's right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I think I'm buying that too, Mason. Uh, a lot of what Greg yeah. said, I think, makes a lot of sense. I think Notre Dame is going to be a little hungry to to come out and and put up more than what they did against Virginia because I think they feel like they played it, um, and they want to show. You know, I think they want to sh- continue to show the college football playoff that they're ascending. Because um, I think I think one important part of that is is when the college football playoff committee is telling you that you want to keep showing them that. Cause then you're going to keep ascending like they, like they're telling you to. And eventually you're going to send up the rankings possibly to that three or four spot. So, um, and, and then on top of that, like, like, like we've talked about already, Georgia tech's not a very good football team. I think they're actually somewhat similar Virginia, just without Brennan Armstrong, that their quarterback situation is, is, is weird. And so they're not going to necessarily be able to put up the type of points that they would against, you know, Boston college against Notre Dame. So um, and we'll, we'll get to our predictions here soon, but I think Notre Dame definitely 35. All right. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to buy it as well. I think it ends up in the 42 or 45 range. Uh, I think we're, we're, we've been on here for a, a bit. Nathan, you want to go straight into predictions? Yeah. Greg, uh, I don't know if you have one yet, but you can go first if you'd like. Yeah. Um, I'll go, I'll say 41, 17. I like um, it. That, that, that accounts for, let's see, Styles can score twice. <laughs> um Kyron's to score one so that's 21 we can get Tyree for a long one 28 35 yeah yeah okay I I, I feel that so 41 maybe 42 right we don't need the field goals let's call it 42 17 we get a a, a Lindsay touchdown and, a, and a, a, a a Diggs touchdown too I'll go I'll go 45 to 14 i think georgia tech's able to get maybe two touchdowns in there i do like i do like gibbs um even though kelly is notorious for talking up players a little bit too much on the opposing team uh, <laughs> on a week-to-week basis um you know it's fine my, my original bold prediction was going to be that um michael Mayer tied the record this week so he could break the record next week and, and I, that maybe still happens if notre dame gets to 45 points um, and I'm obviously talking about the, the tight end touchdown record that is no, Notre Dame can never get across for whatever reason. So uh, hopefully, hopefully one of these predictions, uh, like I mentioned, everybody on the offense has a chance to, to score a long touchdown. So um, I'm going to go 45-14 Notre Dame. I'll roll 49-21. I think Notre Dame's just shy of a 50-burger. Um, I think the, the starters maybe give up 14 and then there's a garbage time touchdown in there that doesn't really count for anything. So 49-21 is what I'm going to roll with. 
perfect perfect well greg again it was it was really nice having you on i mean obviously we hope to have you on here in the future as well um we we, we tend to like to have somebody on uh, on a weekly basis um just to kind of keep things entertaining for our guests so they're not just listening to me and mason uh, every week um but again obviously if you guys following greg on twitter you can follow him at greg uh, 2126 um and you know again he, like we mentioned earlier uh, in the show great film breakdown if, if you like kyle hamilton he's also the go-to for that um and honestly just anything notre dame related greg's a really good follow uh follow his writing and his work over at uh, uhnd.com they do they do a really good job on that website as well so um again greg uh, thanks for uh thanks for coming you know, maybe we'll meet up one of these days uh, for a Notre Dame game. Yeah, for sure, man. Thanks for having me. It was really fun. And um, I really appreciate the support and the, you know, the kind words and everything. That's, uh, that's really nice. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks again for coming on. And yeah, I hope to catch up with you soon. Sounds good. All right, guys. Georgia Tech. I believe it's a 2.30 start, like usual, senior day for, for Notre Dame. Uh, we'll talk to you after then. See you later. The Golden Homers are brought to you by Generations Barbershop, a Notre Dame-themed barbershop that has been keeping Irish fans looking good since 1930. Brent and Gill are located on Lincoln Way East in Mishawaka, Indiana. Open 8 to 5 and by appointment. Call or text Brent at 574-250-0622. That's 574-250-0622.